It's the Horrorphoria Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorphoria Podcast. It is Friday, September 18th of 2020. This is episode number 77. We're discussing Eyes of a Stranger from 1981. Director Ken Wiederhorn, broadcasting from our... I always feel like somebody's watching me studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And I'm Andy Gilly. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> See, I, like, after I watched this movie, I, I had that, like, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Now, that's not the song that was in my head. Mine was Eyes of a Stranger. Oh, yeah, Queen's Queen's Sorry to subject you to my singing, but Queen's no, Reich was no, been was, in my head the whole week. You should be a singer, seriously. <laughs> I, oh, I, I definitely should. I, I bet I sounded just like the Queen's Reich singer. You did. Jeff wish Tate, could, right? Yeah, I wish I could come up with his name. That's his name, yeah. His name's Jeff Tate. You got <laughs> big plans Tate, this weekend? Right. Um, nope, just going up to Michigan. Oh, nice. Going to look at the fall colors. Oh, you know what? And it's starting to turn around here, like, big time, just because it's been colder in Wisconsin. Like, colder than normal. Right. Um, you know, Andy, when you're an adult, sometimes you go through, uh, some hardships in your life. Yep. Um, yeah, I recently went through a breakup. Yep. Um, nothing bad. There's no ill feelings. There's, uh, completely amicable, so I am Mm -hmm. packing my stuff mm-hmm. and I'm moving closer to the radio station. Yes, you are. And we're going to watch some movies in my theater room now. We're going to be able to do that because uh, John was 45 minutes away before. Now uh, he can come in and hang out with me. 15 now. Yes. Hang out with me. Have some beers while we watch these together. Yeah, I got to get this whole we experience because you got the lighting party. thing. And, huh? We could have a watch party. Watch party. You know what we should do, do that. is when we do, because we're actually, <laughs> we're moving some stuff around and there's this one movie that Andy had watched said it was fantastic and especially since he's got the big surround sound and the color bars is that yeah, what you call I got it the, this uh the, it changes the colors based on the color of the yes screen changes the colors of the lights in the room that's awesome so. i'm looking forward to that <laughs> this we'll, we'll do an instagram live before we uh, yeah. launch into it uh horror movie news all right horror movie news jason blum weighed in on the premium vod trend by linking to a story calling the concept a failed experiment uh that was on twitter this uh week what was it uh, the premium VOD trends. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, okay. like uh, what he what he did with it. I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, Invisible Man was one of the first box office smashes that was released on premium VOD, uh, although it made most of its money in the box office. That That's how I saw it was on premium VOD. That's how we both watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it made it. I, I mean, like I said, it made a majority of its money in the theater before COVID-19 closed most of the theaters. But uh, yeah. But uh, he did not seem to be a fan of it based on the link that he sent out. Uh, the link called it a failed experiment. And, uh, it, 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 you know, I, I think the comment that he made, he made a comment on Twitter that uh, said something about uh, it not being the way it uh, was really intended to be watched. So <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I, again, I, I enjoy I, I think it gives guys like us that don't like going to a theater the yeah. opportunity you're still spending the money i mean that's right box office numbers are based off of tickets sold it's not about yeah. the, like spending ten dollars for a bucket of popcorn uh you know you're still spending 20 bucks well this uh this minions movie made like hundreds of millions of dollars on premium vod so i don't know how they can just uh, how he can think it's just uh oh you mean the trolls movie or was that trolls yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah. that, that, that was thing. a trolls world tour that yeah. was it yeah, yeah um, yeah, uh, so I don't know. I think the jury's out on that yet, but uh, obviously Jason Blum, not a fan of this uh, format. Um, <laughs> he, I like his returns it. are not coming back, even though he made all that money with yeah. Invisible Man. Well, and in, like I said, that was most of that was in the theater, so uh, they made most of their money on that. That made uh, over $100 million on a, what, a $7 million budget, I think. But, mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see how that uh, shakes out in the future here uh, when theaters reopen, but uh, I think everybody knows how I feel about it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think I've uh, I've uh, expressed my opinion on this podcast a few times. Uh, speaking of Blumhouse, four new Blumhouse movies will hit Prime Video in October: The Lie, Black Box, Evil Eye, and Nocturne, all slated for October release on Prime. Should make for good Shocktober viewing. Heck yeah! Uh, Blum says in his tweet, "There, October is our favorite month." Uh, and that's our favorite month on Horrorphoria as well. <laughs> yes, it is. 
Mill Creek Entertainment will be releasing uh, 20 Hammer films on November 17th, a little after Halloween. Hammer Films, The Ultimate Collection, which is available for pre-order on Amazon, features 20 films from Hammer's heyday in the late 50s, 60s, and early 70s, including Revenge of Frankenstein from 1958, The Devil Ship Pirates 1964, and Creatures the World Forgot from 1971. I gotta say that uh, I'm a pretty big Hammer fan, and this is uh, not the ultimate collection, in my opinion. Uh, uh, more like some pretty good movies here, but some obscure titles as well. There are some classics. We're missing all of uh, uh, Hammer's Dracula in this list. There's no, Is that with no, Christopher Lee? Yeah, yeah. Christopher Lee was, uh, um, you know, that's really the, what they're known for. Uh, and those are all... None uh, of those are on there. None of those are in the what ultimate in the collection here being released by <laughs> Mill Creek. But there's some good stuff. And um, if I was really into physical media, I might uh, check it out. I should get a hold of Bob, huh? I, yeah, maybe <laughs> hey, Bob, maybe, he'd, maybe he'd be interested in that. <laughs> right? I think that's that's really odd. It was a pretty slow news week for uh, horror movie news. Uh, yeah. Last week was uh, a little crazy, but uh, not much going on this week. Yeah, I know that they are uh, talking about premium rental thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Antebellum movie came out. Okay. Uh, with Janae G- Monell. Uh, not very good reviews on it. Okay. Yeah, people are not uh, digging on that, but it's hmm. still, it's a new movie. I still want to see it. Maybe we'll be able to fit it in by the end of the year, but... We got a pretty full schedule. Uh, let's see. We have horror movie trivia. Mm-hmm. Now, director Ken Wiederhorn put one of his own movies within this one. Do you know which one it was? That's I your same did. question. That's my same question. <laughs> the victim's boyfriend is watching this movie in in her apartment before she's both he and she are murdered. Um, it is a uh, 1977 movie with Peter Cushing. Kind of, I think maybe with the uh, first instance of Nazi zombies that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Shockwaves. It was, man. Very good. <laughs> I, I tried to figure out what it was because I guess I guess my eye goes keen to background things now because yeah. they were watching it. And it seemed like an underwater zombie thing where the zombies yeah, were walking underwater or coming right. out of the water. Yeah, they drowned I've a lot. I've never seen it. Yeah, they drowned. I've, I saw it a long time ago. They drowned some pe- people in it. And uh, I think it kind of happens on a like a marsh or a bayou or something like that. So, yeah. Well, I, I guess that's it. Andy's, Andy's chainsawed plot. Andy's chainsawed plot in a world without caller ID or texting. The phone is your only means of communication. <laughs> the terror of not knowing who's on the other end is bad enough when a vicious serial killer uses the phone to terrorize his victims before brutally attacking them. Reporter Jane Harris is the only person who can put together the clues that will lead to his capture. That's exactly right. All right, here's your spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about Eyes of a Stranger from 1981 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, uh, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to find out what we thought about it. Initial thoughts of Eyes of a Stranger. So, so yeah, Eyes of a Stranger um, was... <laughs> it. So, I, I think both of us compared this film to Maniac, where it's a really gritty, early 80s, violent film. Mm-hmm. And um, I found this movie to be pretty scary actually um i think you know you know I, and i don't and again this is one of these films that i wonder how it plays with a with a modern audience like mm-hmm. if you don't remember picking up the phone and not knowing who was on the other end which uh you know uh, was was always kind of a you, you you had to pick up the phone in the you have to know like right now, my phone, I get like probably 30 calls a day from people I don't know who are telling me that I'm, you know, going to go to jail or whatever. I mean, I could be, who knows, some serial killers probably threatening me right now. I have no idea. But if I could remove the phone app from my phone, I would because I never even use it. You know, I don't even make phone calls with it. You know, I use Snapchat and other things to make phone calls. So, yeah. Um, so, but back then, that was your only means of communication. So, when the phone rang, you picked it up because you might miss something if you if you didn't. You know, it could be your boss, it could be your mother. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, something happened you know? to your father or something. Exactly, and there was no caller ID until the '90s. Right. You know, that was an invention in the '90s. So you had no idea who was on the other end. You had, you had to pick up the phone, and when someone sinister was on the other end, I mean, this is like Black Christmas. You know, it, that there was, uh, and obviously. 
we know from Black Christmas how difficult it is to trace a phone call at yep, this time. Exactly right. You know, as it would involve some guy at the switching station running around looking for where it's being switched. It's coming from the house. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this movie, by now, the way. Now, that has nothing to do with this movie, but uh, I thought it was uh, like the phone scenes especially were very scary. Yeah. And I thought this is this was a very scary movie. And, you know, the um, it's, it's gotten some criticism for being exploitative or whatever or, um, you know, misogynist. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to um, get political or anything like that. I, I, I'm a white man. I don't, it's not for me to say if this is a misogynist, I guess, or not. I'm not going to make an argument about, about that. But uh, I think there's, at this moment in history, uh, when this film came out in 81, there were much worse, more exploitative movies. You had uh, I Spit on Your Grave already had come out. That was 1979, I think. Yeah, we had. Death uh, Wish, you know, which isn't a horror movie, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's got some pretty... Um, Exploitative rape scenes and things in it. Yeah, that had come. You mentioned Last House on the Left back in '72, right? Right. So com- yes, compared to those, the scenes, uh, the you know, uh, the the scenes in this movie, I think are are not uh, as they are not as exploitative as those as those scenes. And I think they're actually pretty well done from that from that perspective. It, it makes it scary. It's a scary thing, but I don't think it actually steps over into that territory. No, I, I gave it some thought. I, 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 I'm 100% with you. I mean, this this month, you decided to call this the 1980s Forgotten Slasher Treasure Chest. And right. to me, it really is. Yeah. It, it's one of these these movies. I'm Honestly, I've never seen this movie in my entire life. Um, it wasn't, you know, anything that my friends would talk about. Oh, you got to see this movie. Right. It had every trope and everything that you expect from an 80s slasher horror movie. To yeah, me, it's, it was just as exploitative as any other 80s slasher horror movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I um, would agree. I think it's stack, as far as exploitation goes, it's there with uh, Friday the 13th or something like that. Yeah, and I, I don't think we need to preface it every time we talk about an 80s horror movie is right. that they're all misogynistic. This, <laughs> this movie did something so different where our protagonist... Turn the tables. Yeah, I love that part. Yes. Um, uh-huh. I'm not a huge fan of finding out who your antagonist is, like within the first 15 right. minutes of a movie. Right. But they did that in Maniac, and it was it was great. I mean, it was right. just like, wow, okay, I I can deal with. And they treated that with the same kind of sensitivity with this movie that you're sitting there going like, yeah, I'm fine with that because you find out who he is. You see. Within the first five minutes, you see parts of his face. Definitely, and then it becomes completely exposed. Exactly. No, and, and I, I, I would uh, say this is just as gritty and creepy as Maniac. It's very similar film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the killer is very, very different in this movie. Yes. Uh, this is this is not the the kill. This is not the killer from Maniac. Stanley Herbert, who is the killer in this movie, played by John DeSanti. Um, he is kind of what I envision as a serial killer, you know, like when I think of a serial killer, I feel like they're a little more awkward and uh, methodical. Uh, yeah, methodical, very a loner, you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the killer and maniac, I forget his name escapes Frank Zito. me. Yeah, yeah. He um, uh, Frank Zito, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is more over the top a psycho. You know, like when you look at his behavior and stuff, you know, he's a he's a nut job killer, probably. Right. But he also had like a certain charm to him where this this Stanley guy was 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 more methodical. Right. A little more OCD. Stanley Herbert is the kind of guy who uh, when they find out that he's killed all these women, his neighbors are going to be like, oh, he was a nice man. He he was very quiet. (laughs) I didn't hear anything (laughs) from we we never we never suspected this because Stanley Herbert was where Frank Zito is your next door neighbor. You're probably going to be like, that guy was weird, man. Something was was up with that guy and everything. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So but but I I, yeah, absolutely. There's comparisons between a maniac in this movie and I you know again it's been so long since you've had that string of of slasher movies so it's yeah I, I can understand why this got buried a little bit right but it didn't go to the places necessarily that that maniac did but no. it did go to places yeah I think it did um 
Tom Savini also uh, did the effects on this movie. That's great. And I, and I don't think he... I think his work in Maniac was uh, much more... I guess in depth or involved than in this movie. I think there were some good. I remember there uh, being one. Well, the decapitation in the fish tank was okay. Um, and I remember when he slits that girl's throat. That was a pretty good kill. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, the, the acting on that was um, so melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But but I thought the effect was pretty good is yeah. what I'm saying for just judging Savini's effects it, on this movie as compared to um, there's nothing like the head yeah. from Maniac in this but right. it's, it uh, feels I mean the gore is still there but it yeah. feels a little more tame than what Maniac it had. definitely feels a little more tame than Maniac and Maniac is what an 80, 1980 movie so it came out a year before this right yeah I think that it also you know another interesting thing about this movie is the this this is set in Miami, and uh, it's an interesting time in Miami when this when this is set. Just like New York in in Maniac, you know, the early eighties, the late seventies, New York. It was a violent time there, and same thing in Miami. Miami's going down the tubes. They had a very corrupt mayor in the seventies. Uh, been real violent, turbulent. I guess there was a uh, like a class of rookie cops in the late seventies or eighties that all of them either went to jail or died. Oh wow! <laughs> like every cop that started that year. In Miami, well, well, you got the grittiness of what New York was with Maniac. You didn't get mm-hmm. that so much with this no. because there was there was a very, very bright aesthetic to it. I mean, it was right. there was very few dark, and, dark and, scenes. And I think that that all of this this is a look right before that all of that stuff came down the line, and uh, you know, like the cocaine wars hadn't quite started yet. So, uh, uh, and all this violence and stuff that. Uh, kind of inspired Miami Vice, the TV show, yeah. which, which interestingly, Miami Vice is really a, one of the things that uh, led to it cleaning up the town because it, it became more popular and it actually had a positive effect on the city's image, believe it or not. <laughs> I but, thought it would have been Scarface. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, all of that stuff had, and I think you're, what you're seeing here is more of like uh, a depiction of Miami of what it was like um, in the in the early 70s or late 60s. Um, I think that's what they're, what they're depicting here yeah um so it was interesting to see miami in that light you know because it was like kind of looked like a safe place there were uh and and it wasn't it wasn't what we're used to seeing from miami vice and movies like like that these days right um so so. you you get kind of a it's kind of a utopia type place just a beautiful i think it's like a retirement community type uh, type that's the the vibe i got from it because and that's a good place to kick off because you actually go into one of these marshes and you got this nature uh, photographer out there taking pictures of all the, you know, whatever. He ends up finding a uh, woman's naked dead body in, in one of these marshes. And that kicks off the movie of, you know, um, you know, there's a killer out there. And then our, our and protagonist, uh, what was her name? Jane. Jane. Yeah. So she's our main anchor for the tv station and she has this she has this knack for jumping in and giving her opinion rather than just the news she's like uh yeah this woman was found um you know so there's a killers but she insists she goes no there's a killer out there women if you feel threatened you need to call the cops right now this is and this to me was kind of different because it gave it empowered a woman. It, right. You know, I got the same feeling, you know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And, uh, no, no, no. That's, and that's where I was going, that, that she yeah. was, she's like woman empowerment of, of, you know, this is like the protagonist you want in this movie. That's exactly what I saw in those moments of her at her job working in the studio as a reporter was it was kind of an empowerment because there were these guys trying to shush her. Yeah, you know, they were like, hey, just shut up about this. You know, you don't need to give your opinion. And we want to get on to the goofy weatherman. We find out (laughs) why. And and then it made more sense. So it brought that around of you don't know who this character is at all. And it brings it right back around like in the middle of the movie and you're just like oh okay and it was great i i thought that was fantastic yeah i thought i thought the reveal that uh you know she had she was kind of responsible for her sister's blindness was uh was a pretty good it was good character development i Uh, thought it was fantastic yeah i thought it was great i mean Um, it was 
you know, it, it was kind of that trope, and we'll get more into it, of what happened to her sister, why she became blind and deaf at the same time. I mean, her sister uh, played in her debut role by J- Jennifer Jason Lee, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and I thought she did a really good job. I mean, she was, what, maybe 17 at the time? 18? Uh, I think she was exactly 18, yeah. Okay. She, she's actually naked in this, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so. that's a, yeah, that happens at the end of the movie. But yeah, you, you'll find out why as we get more into it, because she had something traumatic happen to her. Uh, so we go to a strip joint, a wait. Waitress is walking home alone. You know, this trope I went, (laughs) I wrote down, um, stranger following footsteps, pick up trope. (laughs) It was. And and she runs into this older guy. Uh, She ends up getting into her into her apartment. At at this point, I'm feeling kind of like, God, this is going to be like the most tropey, like stalker movie I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Sure. Until the phone call. Right. Um, you can pick apart how Stanley, because, again, you find out the killer is Stanley very early in the movie. Um, you know, how Stanley gets her phone number. Now, obviously, he's he's very meticulous about, you know, knowing where these women live. And he's he puts in time to find out where they live and their mannerisms and stuff like that. And like you said, in Black Friday, some of these conversations, when he calls up, you know, he changes his voice. He goes higher pitch and breathes weird. And, you know, they're progressively getting more vulgar saying, you know, I know you're not wearing a bra calls her back. Uh, I'm going to have sex with you and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. So like to me, once she gets in and, and settles in and she's, you know, <clears throat> she's getting these phone calls. I was like, man, I feel uneasy. Yeah, it, it was. It was great. It, it, they did. They really set an atmosphere of um, being disturbed in that scene. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like the phone calls in this are uh, it's on. It's hard to say which which is better. Like the uh, the ones from uh, Black Christmas or this. But they're they're disturbing. And, and unsettling, you know, and and I gotta say, to to find somebody's uh, um, number in the eighties, you just had to. There's a book for that. The white pages, I get it, <laughs> I understand that, but I mean, like, you didn't have to question a lot. I mean, I, I guess it's like, you know, he obviously put in work to, you know, find out what these women do when they right. work and all this other kind of stuff and to find find the numbers you know being able to do that you know set up a really uneasy feeling and and a really just kind of a a fun ride mm-hmm. you know when it came to this movie um yeah she ends up calling the cops and you know the, the, the here's a little info dump for you is that well you know ever since uh, that reporter said something you know we've gotten six phone calls about harassing phone calls and uh, alright well we'll be in tomorrow and put a tap on your phone right <laughs> and put a tap on your phone exactly uh, she calls her boyfriend Jeff Jeff comes over that jump scared me for some that, j- the, yes the creeper mask jump yeah. scare. that was a great jump scare actually <laughs> was, was she scary. was the door he's like ah and I went whoa <laughs> yep. um, so we end up finding out that, that Stanley the killer is actually inside the apartment because the windows left open and apparently nobody locks or puts their windows down in Miami it's Miami it's hot man yeah it's true get some AC <laughs> or something um yeah, she brings a meat cleaver to the door, which that's the biggest meat cleaver I've ever seen. Yeah, in my I, life. I don't know. And she was like using it for her snack. <laughs> Did you notice <laughs> she that? She was, well, like, she was cutting a little piece of cheese with a big uh, old yeah, meat cleaver. That was, she had been using it for her snack. So I, I found that rather interesting, too. I, I don't know. I do a lot of cooking. I don't need a cleaver that big, but. Hey, she had it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I need one that big. Um, she, uh, The killer cuts off Jeff's head. Yeah, so he, he, this is a pretty good effect, I guess. Yeah, he cuts off Jeff's head, and you find that out because she comes out and sees his head in the fish tank. Right. That's well, she there. thinks he's joking around her because she's getting ready to go to his house because she's obviously frightened by the phone calls that Stanley's doing. Um, she looks over. She doesn't see it in the fish tank. She actually looks over, sees blood spurting out of the decapitated body, and then she sees the head in the fish tank. Mm-hmm. So this is actually the guy's head in the fish tank. Like, they somehow, Savini rigged this effect so that it was actually his head up in that fish tank 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so he looks so he, real. Yeah, he was holding his breath and he kind of bobbed up and down uh, to make it look like his head was oh, shifting cool. in the water. But uh, yeah, that's that's actually the actor's head. It's not like a fake head or anything. So, like, so he was actually wow, holding that's his a, breath that's under that. To be no able kidding, to go right? underwater like that, because right. <laughs> it so, stayed on him for just a little while. It did. It was it, it was a uh, you know the, it, it was a pretty long shot that uh, you could if so. I think that was probably why they went with a, the guy's real head. You would have noticed if it was a you know, obviously you can't use a paper mache head in an aquarium and, no. you know. they would have to do something to weigh it down and it would just look ridiculous right it would have and and this this was an effective shot it was scary you mm-hmm. know it was, a, it was a creepy uh uh shot and that's why i think because they used the guy's real head yeah and and the one thing i really liked about this scene is you know, he was again. He's so methodical of how he moves throughout each scene. The actor that played Stanley was really good. He reminded me of uh, Meatloaf a little bit. Yeah, he was uh, a little bit. Yeah, but he came up behind this gal, uh, Debbie. That mm-hmm. was her name, and comes up behind her, um, gets rough with her, obviously assaults her, um, and kills her. Mm-hmm. And that was with really uncomfortable to watch. Really uncomfortable. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. That that was uh, that was probably the and and I thought it was just going to ramp up from there, and it really didn't. That was no. probably the most, um, if you want to say, exploitative scene uh, in the movie. I thought I didn't. You didn't. Okay. No. I, I felt that this this kill was the most disturbing. I guess, and and probably the one that most people would have had a problem with. I think it, because it happened so quickly. Although, well, uh, you know, the the ending scene That's with, what I'm with Jennifer about. Jason Lee. Yeah, okay. That, that was really... The, as far as the victims go that actually got killed, I felt this one was probably the... Yeah, that was definitely disturbing and creepy. Um, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a second here. But um, I felt that this one, this particular kill, because, you know, he was sexually assaulting her he and everything. Was. Uh, and it was clear that that was happening. Um, I was I was like, oh, man, where is this going to go? What did I ask John to watch? <laughs> you know? uh, but I felt that that was actually the worst scene as far as, as that kind of thing went. Well, when kills, yeah, as far as kills go, I agree with that. I, I was definitely more uncomfortable. Um, at the end. At the end. Right. And we'll get more into right. that. Um, we go to... Um, There's this... Uh, well, the next scene I remember is this Annette in her office. She's like a secretary. She's at some like law office or something typing. Well, I, yeah. And that's you know, that comes up in a little bit. I just kind of want to build the other. Oh, characters. Was, there more? was there more? Okay, Yeah, because we had um, we had Jane who was over at her mm-hmm. boyfriend. Uh, God, I didn't write his uh, David. OK, she was over at David's house. He asked her to move in. Um, she's like, no, my sister. You don't know what's going on with her sister. Yet. Oh, yeah. Who David. To be I forgot about Jason him. Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah. Goes back to her house. The sister is blind and deaf. Yes. So they communicate via touch. You right. know, they do a, kind of a touch sign language type mm-hmm. thing, which I thought was interesting. But she's uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Tracy, was actually very self-efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, she she could do laundry. She could make coffee. She could make breakfast and stuff like that, even though she's got these, you know, these disabilities of not being able to see or not being able to hear. Um, so, uh, yeah, they, they talk about the the news goes back to the two murders before. So it was Jeff and uh, the other gal. And then... Uh, Jane's going home and this is where she has her first flashback because she's like she's she gets stopped by a bus. The kids are getting off the bus. So obviously when the red lights go up, uh, the car's got to stop. So she flashes back to what happened to her sister. Her uh, she made her sister after they were kids wait outside. She was abducted by a guy. Right. Um and then it goes to a flashback later on. Well, we could just cover it, though. So basically yeah. what had happened was is um, Tracy was abducted uh, through her trauma. And, and, you know, she was obviously abused as well. Right. Um, she became blind and deaf. I mean, yeah. just because so they, of the, they recovered her. And when they recovered her, she was blind and deaf. Yeah. Like the trauma the, that she the trauma that she experienced right. became, you know, so great that it just shut down her vision and her hearing. Right. 
And obviously, um, Jane feels very responsible for this, which is why she's taken her in. And this is also the reason that she feels so strongly about this killer, because she's been, you know, she's had a member of her family victimized like this. Which is why she spoke out in that first newscast is, Mm -hmm. you know, this has happened to me. You need to speak up and be able to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen. Um, You know, what was with this boyfriend character, this David? He was kind of a ponce. Yeah, he was. <laughs> What's his point? I, I, he was. Yeah, he's a lawyer. I don't. He's know. just kind of there to. Uh, he he doesn't really serve a purpose. I don't. Did he get killed? I don't remember. I think he did at the end. No, I, I don't no. remember. Uh, no, he he, he, <laughs> he was really like not particularly. Um, well, I guess he got the shoe analyzed. He did at the end. Maybe that was his point. You know, that in was this movie. That, that was the trope of. Don't go upstairs. The calls coming yeah. from your house. Oh yeah, yeah the I guess mud matches. That's true. I guess, I guess uh, he he his purpose is probably to get the shoe analyzed. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> well, I see, and he was. Just but she like goes the, on these dates with him, and he's kind of a. He wants her to move in with him. He's kind of just a you know a, a ponce. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, he, and like the the scene where you find out about her sister, it's like he comes in. You know, and he looks at her. He's just like, hey, you know, I love you. I want to learn all this or learn yeah. everything about your sister. Nothing more happens with that. No. You know, and it's like like <laughs> like Tracy's telling Jane, it's like, hey, does he want coffee? And he goes, yeah, of course I do. I need to learn how to tell her this, you know, and then there's yeah. nothing more that came came about it. So I thought no. it was just kind of, you know, fluff in between, maybe a little more character build. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's maybe there was something in the uh, 80s that you had to have this man around or something. I don't know. Like, like, obviously. Obviously, she wouldn't be surviving without a, you know, some sort of boyfriend. You know, I don't know. Or maybe his whole purpose was just to analyze that shoe. <laughs> Probably. Because, he, yeah, he, he was. Uh, he was kind of unnecessary. He was I useless. He was, he was useless. Was pretty useless. Yeah. Um, this is where we get to Annette, who's our secretary. Um, yes. Uh, you know, just some another random woman, which I, I, I kind of love they did that, that it's like it didn't tie into any other characters. You know, it wasn't. It mm-hmm. wasn't the cousin of the boyfriend. No, and, and I and I think there's something very scary about that, where this yeah. guy is just randomly selecting women. They don't. They aren't like the first victim was a, a waitress at a strip club. Okay, is it like he's targeting women involved in that kind of industry. No, this woman is a you know got a job at a, in an attorney's office. You yeah, know, exactly. Nothing right. like the, his last victim. No. This guy is just randomly uh, attacking people, and that's I think there's something very scary to that. That anybody could be this guy's victim without. A doubt, you know, any woman could be this guy's victim. And and, and the phone call, even though you had seen it earlier in the movie, is just as like I felt that this one. I felt this one was almost more creepy. I think some of the things he said in this phone call were even more uh, disturbing. And then he was more pervasive, I thought, in this too, because he he switches. She she gets in the elevator to uh, leave, mm-hmm. and then he calls the elevator and the phone somehow. Or the phone in the elevator, which uh, I think those still have phones. Um, yeah, but it, mostly for an emergency. I, right. I the thing I loved about it was is you hear a uh, music box, like you hear yeah, music box right. music mm-hmm. music box music in it, yeah. and he's like, they're playing our song. <laughs> You know, and it's very sinister. Yeah, it really was. And you're like, wow. Yeah. And, you know, he keeps calling. And the problem I have with it is like, like, hey, dummy, get out of there right now. She keeps going back for the phone. Like, right. uh, I wonder what he's going to say next. She ends up going back into the office, calls her friend and says, hey, listen, I need to stay at your house. This guy's creeping me out. He's playing some music box music. Um, I'm going to come over to your house. And she finally gets in the elevator. She finally leaves, and then she gets a phone call um, in the elevator, which was so awesome. It, it was. That was that was a uh, very creepy moment. Very good. Uh, very good. Nasty surprise in in, in the movie. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, so she gets downstairs, and you know, then you you can also movie mistake is like, okay, you just made a phone call. And there's no cell phones, but yet you're in the back of her car. Yeah. And again, it was an g- effective scare because he just pops out out of nowhere, right. mm-hmm. uh, strangles her, and then takes her to like a, a beach area or, you know. <laughs> right. He 
it's, it's I think it's just supposed to be a beach or like the yeah, or maybe like, it's another marsh or something like that yeah. one of these uh, Everglades type areas yeah so mud yeah. sand type stuff so he he just drags her body out you know and he doesn't have a he doesn't have an MO or anything like that he just basically goes out and does it different ways you know like they did Henry portrait of a serial killer you don't do it the same way twice um I, I, there was just a little bit of levity at this part because you saw a couple that was out there making out happens to be make out point marsh or whatever must be yep um and um stanley gets stuck like he gets stuck in the mud so he's trying to roll out and this guy's like i can't take this stops making out with his girlfriend <laughs> uh goes over there knocks on his window he's like hey bud you need a push he opens it Switchblade to the dude's throat. Yes. Uh-huh. And it was just like, wow, <laughs> didn't expect that. Right. Um, you know, somehow the guy, the the guy that like was just a, about to die, like knocks on the window where the girlfriend is on the passenger side and he's like holding his throat. Oh. Right. So she backs up. That window's open on the driver's side. Uh, Stanley slices her throat. Right, and I, and I thought this is what I thought was maybe the acting was a little over the top in this kill, but the effect I thought that Savini put together here was was really good. Yeah, I I thought it lingered, so it, like I I don't think it was purposeful le- levity, but no, the acting right. to me just kind of made me chuckle. No, I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um. So this is where we go back to these lush apartments in Miami. They look mm-hmm. fantastic. Um. <laughs> So Jane actually sees Jane has gotten has been suspicious of Stanley because she saw him get out of his car, uh, take off a shirt that had some sort of stain on it, change yep. his shirt, take off his belt or wasn't wearing a belt. He threw it away. So she started getting suspicious. She sees the car with sand or mud all over the tires. Now she's really suspicious. Uh, she flashes back again. This is where we find out that uh, Tr- Tracy was found. She had the trauma, so she's blind and deaf now. Right. Um, th- this is where she breaks into his apartment, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> so yeah, she, she, <laughs> she breaks she, in. She comes up with a scheme to she's really nice to the uh, apartment manager. And uh, he has like a lockbox full of everybody's keys and uh, leaves that open. And then. Uh, she goes. She actually breaks into uh, his apartment. Well, she just goes into it because she has a key. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. And uh, she, um, you know, the, I think the uh, big thing here is that she saw the cuckoo clock, mm-hmm. which struck three, but the clock said eleven forty. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but, um, but you know, there's this music box that plays with the uh, cuckoo clock. Well, she or figured, was she? I guess she figured that out. She didn't. Actually she figured it out later because she talks about. Uh, she had interviewed the friend of the secretary who died and said, uh, you know, oh, she said something about a weird music box thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she didn't think much of it until she saw the cuckoo clock. But she, the one thing she did find was the muddy shoes. Right. So she hid one of the muddy shoes under her uh, under her shirt. And then Stanley came home. Yeah. He had just gone to the grocery store. And she, she goes she out the balcony. She does like parkour to get out of the freaking apartment. Just, just, I just, yeah, that was a little outlandish. Yeah. Like the getting off the uh, the deck there, going down into the. You're 20 stories up. Yeah. And you jump off a balcony thinking you're going to get down, but somehow you luck yourself into swinging into the apartment below. They happen to have their window open, too, while they're having breakfast. So she sneaks in and just, yeah. like, hey. Yeah, I thought that was a little outlandish. I really didn't like you. Like you'd have to have some major parkour skills, and I don't think parkour was uh, invented yet. That was a, it. Was a little silly to me. <laughs> yeah, that was a little, uh, and, and no consequences for uh, break. Uh, you know, breaking into these people's apartment as, as they're having no, breakfast. They, they just went. They just went, huh? You know, Wait, maybe you want to talk to the manager about that yeah. or something like that. Somebody enjoy my eggs Benedict here. Yeah, Come on. exactly. And somebody swang off the. Uh, you know the. I, I don't know. It's like that was totally forgotten. I, w- I would think that if 
if someone swang onto my uh, onto my deck and interrupted my breakfast like that, I would uh, talk to my manager about it. I'd be like, I'd talk to the guy upstairs. I'd be like, hey, do you have your girlfriend swinging off your balcony or something? What's going on here? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> so I would I feel like that would be some um, bigger consequences than uh, than what happened. This is just really forgotten. I guess those people just didn't want to cause a problem or something like that. Yeah, and this is where uh, Jeff because they go watch a movie. I'll see the Dawn of the Dead yes, poster. Yes, the Dawn right of the Dead poster I have that written down, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so they go watch a movie, and, you know, he's, she said, I found a shoe. She's doing, like, she's like the hardcore investigative <laughs> yes. reporter, so she found the shoe, and you're a lawyer. and Which he's rightfully aghast at. I mean, he is, he is not thrilled that she did no, that. No, yeah, exactly. He's a lawyer. He's like, yeah, he's like what did you do here? Thing. I mean, I think his, his uh, reaction was appropriate there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she, you know, basically they have their little fight. Uh, she goes, buys a gun. Um, yeah. So did you notice the theme in this in this movie? Theme. I felt like the th- there's like there's a theme and it's kind of it's like a piano type theme. Oh, oh the theme was, music. Yes. The theme music of the movie like is it's kind of like almost a Halloween level theme. I think I, I it was a great like creepy theme. Well, because it had that kind of that buzz to it. It had it the, the piano, but the yeah, yeah. I thought the theme music in this was great. Like if uh, this had become a series, uh, we'd all be we'd know that theme just like the Halloween I theme. I think I, it, it was. Yeah, I, uh, I think it added to the tension. Exactly, it really did. Exactly like you said with Halloween. You know, it's mm-hmm. just every time you hear that, you get chills. Yes, you and know, it, it's like where the hell is Michael Myers? I thought it was the same kind. It was the same level of theme as as Halloween's. I thought it was that good a piece of music uh, for a horror movie. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, so, uh, is this where? Uh, oh, this is where she calls because she she does her re- yes. investigation and she yep. fi- she finds out the guy's number. She yes. co- finds out Stanley's number and calls oh, calls him, him three I times. Love this man. Th- and this and that's, is that's great. the empowerment part. This is like what Rambo does when he gets the uh, enemy's walkie talkies. You know, she's taunting him. Yeah, she goes. You know what? You're not going to do this anymore. I know who you are. Yes, it was awesome. You, you know, so it kind of like throws him off because yes. he's like so frustrated. Yes, it was. It was a great scene, and she really like she just kept. Uh, isn't she lighting up like a cigarette while she's doing it? Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's getting she's more like, calm because she's yeah, she's obviously has hesitation about doing this. Yeah. But she lights a cigarette. It's almost she should have had a glass of wine right, right. there and just <laughs> she I was know such who a great scene. Are. I loved that scene, man. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot. Now, of fun. this does obviously uh, you know, I think he figures out who she is from uh, her doing this and Well, um, he, she says something on the newscast. She uh, that's uh Stanley right. does stalk this uh, stripper. Right. Um, follows her home. She's in the shower. Uh, he looks like he's peeping at her. And then another jump scare is like she's he's right against the yeah, shower. That's right. And he kills her. Um, kind of an yeah, she talks. Kill, yeah. yeah. Jane actually talks in a newscast of like, we need to stop this uh, phone psycho or something. Yeah. Like that. She says the same thing that she said to him. And then uh, he kind of replays that back in his it, head. Yeah, He puts it together. And he's like, oh, OK, I know who this is. Yeah. So he um, goes down. Well, Jennifer Jason Lee, you see Jennifer Jason Lee in the apartment, and she's got a seeing eye dog. And this is just this is the God, worst. What, this is what the is worst. Up, I, it's always the ones. It's always the movies that I recommend too. I I don't get it, man. Animals die <laughs> yeah. when Andy recommends. A movie uh, yeah, too. I guess I just I just always recommend movies of dog death. That's uh, um, I don't ridiculous. Know. And this one is super sad. And this is, like this the is the a worst beautiful, one I've ever seen. Beautiful retriever. Yes, it really is. It's like the and it's a seeing eye dog on top of it. Oh man, this is this is so sad. So Jennifer Jason Lee, um, whose name in the movie is Tracy, uh, Tracy Harris, mm-hmm. um, is looking for her seeing eye dog and realizes uh, something's wrong. Uh, I'm just this, glad she never found him. Yeah, me too. Um, but this is one of the I, I felt that as uncomfortable and disturbing as the scene was, it was amazing stuff. It was suspenseful and scary. It was one of the most scary scenes in this movie. And yeah, it, it was it was disturbing to to watch this because mm-hmm. she's unable to see, she's unable to hear. 
Stanley Herbert's in the room with her. Yeah, just just manipulating her. Yeah, totally. Like she doesn't know at all. Exactly. I mean, obviously she's got a great sense of where things are and stuff, and he's moving them on her. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. He just starts messing with her, you know, and uh, and he's just cruel about it, you know, and. Uh, uh, I thought this was a this is one of the things that really made me I guess like the movie because it was such an effective gross and uh, scary scene yeah he and, and it really evoked an emotion yeah you're know? absolutely right it was so disturbing and hard mm-hmm. to watch seriously yeah. because he didn't care he realized that she was blind and that she was deaf and he still he was like he got him more excited right and it right. was disturbing and you're like oh come on yeah absolutely and he was using that you know just to this woman you already know when she was a little girl went through this yes. so, so as an audience member you're just like just something please right. save her right <laughs> exactly and something does save her oh <laughs> yeah sister with her 357 magnum yeah she does <laughs> um yeah, that's when you get the call from Jeff saying, oh, hey, don't do anything till right. I get there because the bun matches. Right. And, and then no she can't point. hear that. And um, she can't hear that. Yeah, so exactly. she doesn't she doesn't realize that this phone calls come through. Yeah. She does throw coffee into his face, which was. Yeah, that was that was I was enjoyed seeing that. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he he gets her on the bed and he like tears her shirt off, which is why I realized that Jennifer Jason Lee was 18 in this movie. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> because it was it must have been filmed in 80 and. Um, uh, I think she was born in 62. So, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Jane comes in and, uh, how, how does this pan out again? Well, well, here's what happens is it like he, he's going to sexually assault. Yes. Her. It's clear. Yeah. Um, something, you know, the trauma reverses what happened, which, to which I thought was a little, this is like the Fred Flintstone thing we talked about in shocker, yeah, you know, yeah, you're exactly you go right. Through the same trauma and it reverses you what, know, she whatever fall, she falls in a well. She's blind. Yeah. She gets kicked by a mule. And then she's fine. fine. Right. This is uh, dumb, but whatever. It made a little more sense though, because like trauma upon trauma and, and it just like maybe awaken the body. I, and again, sure, I don't understand the anatomy. of. I'm glad that uh, Tracy got her sight back, but yeah, yeah, me too. back. That's great. But it was pretty silly. It was, but she was able to shoot Stanley in the gut. That's right. Um, she did. It. She went to the bathroom and just kind of had the realization that she's looking at herself, you know, of like, oh my gosh, my vision's back. Yeah. Because she was able to talk too. Yeah. Because she, she screamed talk. and, you know, just made a noise. Stanley comes back in because uh, she had dropped the gun. So Stanley comes back in and he's he's not going to sexually assault her. He's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Wraps his hands around her throat uh, Jane comes back home and shoots him point blank range between the eyes. Right. Hmm. And that was actually the lingering shot because he falls through that glass partition for the uh, for the shower. That and was the way really it leaked good. out. It yeah. was like, oh, yeah, that, that was, was really amazing. good. Amazing. That that was a, it was a really nice uh, uh, end to him. I thought. Oh, yeah. Not, <laughs> the, not the as lingering satisfying shot. as you'd want to see. No, but see yeah, I would have liked to see something like uh, the maniac head explosion. But yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was the lingering shot there was 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 pretty great. Good effect. Yeah. So uh, the the sisters embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, Jane, she's able to talk. She's got her vision back. Right. And, um, you know, they they live to tell another tell, I guess. <laughs> so, Andy, eyes. Yeah. Or did we miss anything? No, I think that covers it. All right. Eyes of a stranger. Nineteen eighty one. How you feeling? Well, like I said, I, I think this really has some as you know, as gross as that last scene is, it's still amazing, suspenseful stuff, and it uh, it's it is disturbing. It obviously evokes an emotion, and I think the rest of the film does too. And uh, like these these phone scenes are extremely disturbing and, and creepy. Just you know, there's no killing going on or anything like that. It's what he's saying, and you know the fact that he keeps calling back, and like the the, the just the the sound of the you know old phone bell ringing and stuff it's grating you know and uh uh i think this really does a great job of presenting a uh feel and a 
creepy atmosphere. It's a scary movie. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's what I want to see in my slasher film. It's, it's a good slasher film. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree. I, I think they balance character development too. Mm-hmm. And again, and, I agree. You know, there, there are some movies where you kind of want to get a background of, of who your slasher is, but mm-hmm. this didn't matter. This no. didn't matter at all. And I thought Stanley Herbert was an appropriate, I don't want to know anything more about him. No. I, I think, what they presented about him was uh, made him even scarier. You know? Yeah. What we didn't know about him was was even scarier, and that that was done well. It wasn't like it wasn't one of these instances where it's like, well, they just left that unexplained because they're lazy writers. You know, it was it was more like we don't need to know that. That's left up to our imagination, and it's it makes it scarier. Well, and I agree because they didn't really necessarily, you know, tell you. It, it was like like in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, they. Henry tells you, he info dumps on you, don't do it the same way. I, it's just random. Don't, right, right. Don't pick a certain kind of person. Don't. No, and Henry this. Portrait of a Serial Killer is, you know, a portrait of him. It's, it's, there, it is much more about what made him that way and what, you know, what causes him to do that. And we don't need to know that about Stanley Hurt. Right, but the idea that it is random. That yeah. It's, but right. I, obviously, the misogynistic part is it's women. You know, right. he, and he wasn't, af- he wasn't afraid to take out guys that got in his way. Right. You know? And again, I'm a white guy. I have no clue, but I feel like this guy has a really strong female character. Oh, yeah. Who, you know, is up against some of the is really up against misogyny, especially like at her work and stuff and against this ultra misogyny who's murdering women and triumph. So I don't know. Well, I mean, but you're exactly right. Cause she took it into her own hands. So that's mm-hmm. where the empowerment came from me is that her boyfriend, Jeff, you know, obviously being a lawyer and then, you know, they skate around that. Well, we got to right. stay within the law, but you're not listening to me. Well, I know it. this is what my sister has been through. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think Jane Harris is a really strong female character is what oh, I'm yeah. trying to say, you know, and I, and I, I think it, um, I don't know. Again, I, 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 I can't speak to some of this, uh, but uh, I, I think that this is, um, you know, this is, is really kind of an empowering movie because of, of her character and the, yep. and what she's up against and how she deals with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought this was a, a good movie no. and uh, I'm, I give it I give it three stars. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to go the exact same route as you. I'm also going to say this is a good movie. I'm actually going to say it's not a classic. Not, not, not by a long shot. No. But I say you seek this movie out and watch it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you Abs- should watch it. Oh, my God. If you have, and it's not long, the, the time mm-hmm. is perfect, there's some things that could be thrown away, there's you know right. some, some dialogue that's like, eh. But I'm also going to sit at a three-star. Right. You know, definitely, definitely go watch this movie. Anywho, we're going to wrap up uh, the 1980s Forgotten Slasher treasure chest with the hitcher uh, movie that andy and i are both familiar with we haven't seen for a long time but man i just remember it being so good and then you ready for our favorite month of year yes, october october we kick it off with halloween three our friend uh from malevolent productions and she has her own podcast called horror and more with anya gore she's going to be joining us we'll uh, kick into rob zombies 31 tales of halloween which is an anthology ginger snaps I haven't seen that movie all the way through, but I've heard good things. And we're going to wrap it up with VHS. And the only reason why we're going to do VHS is because it it also is an anthology. But like the end anthology. And a part of the anthology is all about Halloween. Oh, yeah. It's the best scene. Yeah. VHS is is a great movie. Spoiler alert. I'm going to. I love that movie. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for listening to episode 77 of the Horror Foria podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us if you listen to us on iTunes or check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Check us out on social media. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. That's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week.